All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Talk Murder to Me. And tonight I got a lovely, lovely story for you guys. What's up, Shram? Martin, Joanne, already here. Thanks for being here. Yeah, hey, everyone. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. It's Saturday. It is 61 degrees here, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. We haven't seen Jen for a while. Jen's here now. I, I keep forgetting you're over there. Sorry. <laughs> we do this every day, so it's like... And we missed two days last week, actually. Yeah. Last night, and I forget whatever night it was. When yeah. We were, uh, so I think for the count. when we started this, I want to say it was the end of September. Mm-hmm. And since then, I want to say we only had missed, we've only missed three days. Is that correct? I think so. Something like that. So that's like, what, 90 days? Almost. Or- that's pretty good. Pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Good job, guys. Oh, man. So any new Supremos or tacos to call out? We I know do we have, have a new taco, a small Jeez. taco. Really? Um, yes. Kendra. Welcome, Kendra. Thanks, Kendra. Thank you for, so much, Kendra. Thank you for supporting us. I uh, I didn't think we'd have any. I thought we would lose a bunch since I haven't been putting we out We actually <laughs> haven't lost anyone in 30 days. That's amazing. No way. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm worried about the color of this liquid, Jen. Don't, don't worry. It's not what you think it is. It's not whiskey. It's not. I was going to say, it better effing not be because I'm. S- I wouldn't do that <laughs> to you. So um, this surprise shot is for Sam. 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 Thank you so much, Sam. To Sam. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. That's been a while since I've done that. In our festive shot glasses. Thank you for bringing them, Jen. Yes. There's no tree to hang them on this year, but. No. And I mean, I could hang them on my house, but I would forget them. Yeah, that's true. So, did you get a tree? Did you I get did. a tree? I did. Mm-hmm. Nice. I put it up. Um, it's it's good. I've warned John since we're not doing any decorating this year. Just just you wait next, next year. year. The only tree I'm going to have is the one in my bong this year. I got to get a bong and, <laughs> and some weed. <laughs> Cheers. 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 I didn't like that, Jen. What was that? Spice rum. It wasn't bad. Thank you, Sam. Was that Sam's request? No, there was no request. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sam. That was great. Oh, man. Well, I'm excited to do a story. Yes. You don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm just excited to do a story. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville, Florida. What do you guys know about that? In 2010, Southern... (laughs) (laughs) What? Nothing. You you asked us a question and you didn't let us answer it. Well, well, tell me about it. Tell me about Jacksonville. Um, Oh, we may have had a roommate that lived there at one point. Oh, that's true. That's true. Whatever. That's what you were laughing about. No. That wasn't what you were laughing about? No. No. I was actually going to refer to um, from the good place. The guy was from Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. No, who? Like portals. <laughs> what was his name? Jason. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. I didn't like him at first, but. Oh, he, was, I, he became my favorite, yeah. I think. Yeah. I never finished that show. All right. This, was good. this is where we're going. This exact house right here. It's, uh, is that Victorian style? What yeah. Here? All right. Let me tell you a little Seems bit. Seems out of place for Florida. <clears throat> no, no, no. Yeah. This is the house we're going to tonight. I'm going to tell you in a later episode about why this house is so effing huge. It's not because there are a bunch of wealthy people that live there. In fact, this street is nothing but big old gothic manors. Mm. Okay. Again, yeah, out, out of place, place. For, for Florida. Yeah. Like you would see that maybe in like the new, that yeah, new England. style house in New England. Yeah. yeah. It is January 4th, 1982. It is at night. It is chilly. It is freezing cold. That house in I Florida? Ju- 
yeah, that house I just showed you, I don't know how many people were living there at the time. Probably upwards of 20. There's a lot of people living in that house in small partitioned rooms. In this house, a few days before, there was a lover's quarrel Mm. between two men, two male occupants. They lived in separate rooms, but well, one lived in the attic. The 35-year-old lived in the attic. Lover's quarrel between a 35-year-old man and a 64-year-old man named George Sonnenberg. The 35-year-old man reportedly lived in the attic, although he lived in multiple places, as we'll talk about. He was the unofficial handyman of the residence. Mm -hmm. Earlier that day, he was fixing the sink downstairs. There's one big kitchen area. He was working on that. And George, he was just someone who was kind of down on his luck. He was an Army veteran, a really nice guy. He just hit a point in life where his luck got down on him and and that's why he moved into this house, as you would, because the rent is super cheap. You're mm-hmm. living in a little partition. Anyway, while they were both living there, they ran into each other in the halls, cooked up a relationship. Hey, you know, things were going great. And then it started to sour. Hmm. All right. That's what we know so far. Now, the 35-year-old man, he didn't know why he was so mad at George this day. He can't even remember the argument that had started this whole thing. But it was a few days ago. And on this day, January 4th, he is just doesn't even remember why why they were fighting this lover's quarrel, but he knows he's been stewing on it for a few days now. Quote, he doesn't know why the thought of having sex with George made him so angry today. He's never been angry with George before, end quote. Mm. Now, this man, 35-year-old, he goes back to his room in the attic and he starts drinking a little bit. He walks out of the house and he goes to a nearby boarding house right down the street, which is his other boyfriend's house. Oh. And he's going to have furious sex with this boyfriend. This 35-year-old man has furious sex sex with his boyfriend. At the same time, drinking Jack Daniels, getting really, really drunk, stewing on this whole George thing. They got in a fight and he's just so pissed off. He storms out of the room and he goes back to that house on 117 East Street. And he goes to the room of George Sonnenberg. From author Dr. Tim Gilmore, he liked to watch things burn. Watching things burn made him smile and squint and shake his head slowly from side to side like he was luxuriating in something creamy and velvety. Ew. He liked to watch things burn. So he just leaves his boyfriend's house. He's walking down the street and he's just... Man, you know, the I just want to see it burn. I want to see George burn, burn for this, burn for this lover's quarrel, right? Now, in the house, there were other occupants. It wasn't just George. For instance, there was a Regina Hershey, 15-year-old. Her husband, her newly... Did you say 15-year-old? Yeah, 15-year-old. Her husband? Her husband, yeah. So she... And this is... Good catch. Florida in 2010? No, this is... 1982. Oh, why did you say 2010? I didn't say 2010. No, I was talking to myself. 15-year-old Regina Hershey, she did tell the paper that she was 16, but she was actually 15, had just eloped with her 19-year-old husband. And a little bit about her real quick. She grew up wealthy hmm. in a yeah, wealthy- a Hershey Hershey descendant? A wealthy 15-year-old living in a boarding house full of drug addicts and people that can barely pay the small amount of rent. The reason why she's living there is because she married her boyfriend, 19-year-old 
David Davis without the family's permission. She's 15. She's too young. Mm -hmm. This guy, you know, he's 19. They shouldn't be married. You got to wait. Oh, yeah, whatever. We're going to elope. They eloped and they went to the one place that the family would never look and basically Satan's asshole of the U.S., Jacksonville, Florida. (laughs) Jacksonville's not terrible, but apparently this place is. The family would never find her there, and she knew that, even though they had to live in this seedy, seedy neighborhood. And like I said, y'all saw the house. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But at the time, drug addicts, uh, prostitution was there. I mean, it was just, it was rampant vice Mm. in that house. But she moved in there with her boyfriend, now husband, after they eloped. We're at January 4th, 1982. It is the middle of the night. We're talking about 4 a.m. And Regina, she starts to smell smoke. The husband gets up, turns on the light, and they look under the door, the door frame, and the smoke is coming in. Now, they're upstairs, so this isn't good. There's only one way to get out of the house. Well, two ways, actually. If you jump out the window, go down the stairs. So they're like, all right, it's probably not a big deal. Somebody probably left the oven on. Let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. Her and the husband walk out of the room and they are, are immediately met with a wall of flames. Oh, dang. oh, boy. Not only blocking the staircase, but actually pushing them back into their own room. They could barely even have the door open. The flames were just... Now, you saw the house is not burnt down. It's still there. The flames were big enough where they could not descend down the stairs at all. Okay. There was only one way out at this point, and that was to jump out of the second floor window. Mm. So if we go back real quick to the Google Earth, if you guys want to see how far that is. So we're talking, She she's right here. This double window. Yep. Or excuse me, right here. This double window right here. Yeah. So from here to the ground, mm. from that double top double window to the ground. That's how far she was. That's scary. Scary jump. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think? Ten feet? Twelve feet? Maybe? Fifteen? More? Maybe. Yeah. Fifteen? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's not going to kill you most likely, but you are going to break some bones if you jump. I mean, not me because I I'm like a spider, but okay, like, like a spider. M- most people are or going Spider-Man. to break some bones. Jump. Most people are going to break their bones jumping there. But what's the alternative? You can't go running through the fire. No, no. Smoke begins filling up the room. The boyfriend pushes her back in and says, oh, shit, we got to jump. We got to jump out of the window. He starts prying this window back, just finally gets it open. And they both kind of get out on the ledge there. Okay. Now, she is not on board with this plan. She is not going to jump. I'd be terrified. Yeah. She's a 15-year-old girl to jump 15 feet down. She is not on board. All right. But then the boyfriend says this. The house is going to burn down and no one's going to get here in time. I'm going to jump. Then I want you to jump and I'm going to do the best I can to catch you. So the boyfriend jumps. He makes it safely and then he calls up to her. Okay, you ready? Now, before this, he told her, okay, very important. Do not lock your legs when you jump. Bend your knees when you hit the ground. Just keep them bent the whole time. When you're, you jump out, just have your knees bent. Boom. Do okay. not lock your knees. You guys know that, right? Mm-hmm. If you right. lock your knees, you freaking, you know, they, they go backwards and yeah. shit. She is now crying hysterically. The room is 
getting hotter. Her eyes are burning, not only from the smoke, but the flames are actually coming through the door, her bedroom door. And she's just, she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. She starts to scream, scream. I can't do it. You have to jump. He's calling up to her. This house is burning down and no one is coming. No one is coming. Mm -hmm. She did jump that night. She jumped out that night. She flung herself out of that window. The husband did not catch her. Oh, no. I mean, not on purpose. He just. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't purposely. (laughs) Just stand there, watch her. (laughs) Step back. Whoa, (laughs) that was a close one. This is talk murder to me. I was like, is this an elaborate point? I don't know. She jumped that night. She flung herself from the window. She did heed his advice about bending her knees. However, she landed straight on her back. Oh, no. And that back broke. (gasps) However, at this point, she's faring better than George Sonnenberg, who was still tied up in his room. Dang. Tied up to a chair, a wooden chair with a rag in his mouth and watching the fire that had emanated from his mattress engulf him completely. And he would later, they pulled him out, but he would die of fire complications from this. The fire marshal knew that it was deliberately set on top of that mattress. There was an arsonist that did this or someone that set it on fire. And from the Times Union, Captain Jerry Hears, an investigator for the fire marshal's office, said the fire apparently started on a mattress in the vacant first floor room. The fire possibly started by someone smoking on the mattress, he said. Now, keep in mind, they do not know the whole story with his lover's quarrel or the fact that this 35 year old man is living in the attic. They don't know. They don't know who's living here. They don't know who's living here and they don't really give a shit. This is a boarding house run by a slum lord. They don't really care. Let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? These are all down on your luck people anyway. Whatever. You know, not to mention there has been a, a very large increase in arson over the last few months. Just in this area, as we're going to talk about in the in the last two months before this fire, just in this one neighborhood, 10 fires have been set on purpose in a 12 block district. 100 fire calls had been made in just one month. That's a lot. So is this all the same? That's more than one fire a day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is about the one who set the fire, the 35 year old man who you read when he talks about fire, he feels good good inside. He feels real good. Yeah. There's like some disturbing con- comments there. Yeah. Like he's swimming in velvety goodness. I'm going to talk how he talks on okay. this. Okay. All right. And I'll like, show you. I feel like after that whole velvety goodness thing, this is about to get real weird. He's, yep. he's real soft spoken. Okay. And I'll show you an interview later. He's real soft spoken and he is like in a dream state at all time. It's like he's not there. Right. He's somewhere else. And when he talks and he's real soft spoken. So I'm going to try it. Okay. And when he talks, he, he looks up like this and around. Big old fires turn me on. Sometimes I could dream. I said, oh, shoot. I said, I, I wish I could see a fire about four or five stories high and he looked upward his arm dancing up in front of his eyes over the top of these buildings and I'll shoot all over the buildings and and I could just be you know getting off he said while pumping his fist up and down mimicking masturbation <laughs> 
What? <laughs> so fire is sexually arousing to him? Yeah. He is the 35-year-old power maniac hmm. that we're talking about. That's what he calls it. I'm a much power, power maniac. A power maniac can be most anything, but I'm much power. A power maniac. <laughs> I like to say a whole a whole city burned down. A whole city. I'm a power maniac. No, he says, oh, I'm a, oh, okay. He calls it power maniac, but he pyromaniac. I'm oh, a, oh, it took me a second. I was like, yeah. is that his, is yeah. that his murder nickname? Because like, that's a weird name to give yourself. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm what you call it. What do they call it? Pow, pow, power maniac, power maniac. I like fires. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually pretty good. <laughs> Wow. All right. Do y'all know who we're talking about? No. No. <laughs> Anyone on the live chat now? <laughs> I like to see the whole building, the whole city burn down. And he grabs his crotch. <laughs> That's who we're talking about tonight. So this serial killer is Otis Tool. We're talking about tonight. His name is Otis Tool, and he is most recognized by his one crime, which is super famous, and his association with the other serial killer, Henry Lee Lucas, which we kind of covered. Otis Tool is most mm. known for the dismemberment and murder of Adam Walsh, the little boy who is John Walsh, who, oh. who was John Walsh's son. John Walsh is the American's most wanted host. Okay. And Adam Walsh, his son, was six or seven Did at the time. Did we cover that case? I kind of went mm. over it. I covered the Henry Lee Lucas Correct. story. And this was his partner? This is the partner. That's right. I kind of remember. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I was like, the name's sounds familiar. It is impossible to cover Otis Tool without covering Henry Lee Lucas or vice versa. Mm -hmm. But I'm specifically focusing on Otis's story. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to get into Otis's mind and see what it was like kind of being him. Mm -hmm. And I found some really good literature on it. So we're reading that tonight. We're actually reading from two books tonight. Stalking Otis Tool. And his name is, hmm. it seems like his Otis, but... is it? Is, are there two T's? Yeah, there are two T's, That's but his Otis. his name is Otis. That's how he says it. That's how everyone else says it too. But I will say his family, his entire family, their names are kind of fluid, spelled differently. They spell them differently. They pronounce them differently. They're very low IQ'd individuals in this family. Okay. A lot of people think he was inbreded. I don't know. I kind of think that too. But anyway, tonight we're reading from Tim Gilmore's book, a doctor, Tim Gilmore, Stalking Otis Toy, Southern Gothic, which is a fantastic read. It is insane how this guy wrote this book. He really tried to track down and get into the mindset of him. And also this interesting book called Eating Disorder, Following the Trail of Otis Tool, the Cannibal Kid. <laughs> so, huh, what? <laughs> Anyway, so we're going to be reading from both of those. But tonight's story is on Otis, more specifically on his, on the reason why he loves 
fire. That's how I'm starting the story. Because Otis has killed a lot of people. A lot of it can't be proven. Some of them can. But we know for a fact that the reason he got caught in the first place, he was in prison for killing George Sonnenberg. Okay. He was actually in prison for another arson. Then he confessed to killing George Sonnenberg. Okay. And then he started confessing and he eventually confessed to over 160 murders around the country. And he actually, I guess you can say, helped solve a lot of cold cases because he's the one that killed all those people. So we're trying to get into his mindset tonight. So you guys like this? Yeah. Yeah. She read earlier that he likes watching things burn because it was like he was luxuriating in something creamy and velvety. For some reason, this man associates sex directly with fire. Mm. The the sex to him is intertwined with fire. A lot of Jacksonville has been burned down specifically from this guy. Wow. Mm. He is like he was on a mission to burn down this whole city and he burned down a lot. I'm talking about hundreds of houses were burned down by this guy. The fire marshal didn't know that at the time, this 35-year-old named Otis Toole had set the fire. Not only that, he was across the street watching it burn and eventually in the crowd watching poor Regina fling herself from the balcony right onto her back. From the Supreme Court of Florida, in a subsequent statement, appellant reaffirmed that he had started the fire and he said that he had a homosexual relationship with Sonneberg and that they had argued. After starting the fire, the appellant stated that he walked across the street and masturbated twice. So he's across the street masturbating. And then when Regina jumps out the window, he is actually in the crowd watching. But this episode isn't about how the mother demanded him to only wear his little pink dresses as a child, nor how he would visit the cemetery with his grandmother some nights and feast on the body parts of the dead, nor how he took Adam Walsh, son of John Walsh's America's Most Wanted, decapitated body and burned it in a fridge at his mama's house, nor the 160 murders he confessed to. What we're talking about tonight specifically is fire and how he is, quote, a power maniac. I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to ask you to yeah, go back. Re- re- rewind. Rewind. Yeah. No, that's called a... Uh, um, uh, he would feast on body parts with his grandmother? That's called cliffhangers for no, next step. Not cliffhangers, but I'm trying to get y'all guys all like... He's baiting us. I'm he baiting He is her. really baiting. Yeah. I'm a master baiter. <laughs> So was this guy, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So let's talk about this. Why is he so addicted to fire? That's the first episode I wanted to ask. Let's talk about his first memories. The first memories of Otis Tool. Okay. Growing up in a dysfunctional household. Very dysfunctional. At seven years old, Otis was in the family garage. Living in the family garage? No, just playing in the (laughs) family. It's a good (laughs) clarifying question, though. Yeah. At seven years old, Otis was playing in the family garage like he usually does. He had just got done playing with some of his dolls, and he had already removed his dress and wig and wiped off his makeup from his lips. So he's in his underwear now, and he finds daddy's matches on the shelf, and he wants to see some of his dolls burn. 
He's seven years old at the time. Daddy comes home in his beat up car and he sees the smoke barreling out of the garage. Now, I'm going to read this verbatim from what the father said, from what Otis testified. Quote, you little dumb shit. You trying to burn the place down? His father says, terrified. Otis says, no, daddy, I was just playing around. You want to play? You want to play with fire? You going to get burned, boy. The most cliche saying Mm. ever. Mm hmm. All right. At this point, at this point, the daddy grabs little Otis in his underwear by the wrist and drags the boy into the kitchen and he lights the gas stove. He then rips Otis's hand and puts it over the flame, the open flame, and starts burning his forearm. The skin starts melting off his forearm. The mother hears this painful screaming of her son and rushes into the kitchen. You idiot! Folks aren't going to pay for damaged merchandise. Let them go and clean them up. That's what the mother says. What does that mean? Yeah, how is he merchandise? His father says, as Otis falls to the floor, and this is verbatim, you, quote, you little fucking retard, I should have killed you as soon as you were born. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, dear. That's terrible. He was seven at this point? Yeah. It's easy to say that Otis liked fire, but I believe it was deeper than that. I'm going to try to get into psychology. Everything you see around you, and think about Otis, and Otis's mind is a 35-year-old. Everything is made of fire. As a kid, he would burn dogs and cats and light them on fire and watch them squeal. He would walk around Jacksonville and see, he would just stare at these buildings and just see the fire that's already in the buildings. In his mind, being delusional, he would help the fire come out. I know it's hard. Yeah, it sounds like he's having hallucinations. You see, you could draw lines between the places he's been from the house he burned down on East 43rd to the house he burned down on Hubbard Street to the house he burned down on North Market to the house he burned down on Highway Avenue. But many more lines than that. You could draw them. You might get some kind of shape. Maybe they could draw a face. Maybe they would spell out letters. Fire is inside everything, inside and out. The the fire is in the molecular structure of things. Now, we're talking about how Otis sees the world as a person Mm. with a IQ lower than 75, completely uneducated, cannot read, cannot write, has never been to school. He sees the world as fire. That's interesting. I don't know if we've ever talked about anybody that really saw the world this way. I mean, you have people who like fire and that's part of the McDonald triad, right? Burning things, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yep. Um, but never to this extent. I don't think we've Correct. talked about it before. No, you're right. He would stand in front of the houses. No, these houses were built over a century ago and he would think about all the old residents in there and how the houses were on fire back then and how the fire still lived in the walls, but he needed to help the fire escape and that he could smell the smoldering already before he even lights the match and why is no one helping this fire why is no one helping this fire helping. it's got to be me like huh. like he like the fire needs help to grow mm-hmm. and if the inside of everything was fire and the inside of everything was really the outside then the only thing that was true was when everything was on fire and if the whole city was on fire and you the one that did it well that would near about make you god wouldn't it he smiled hmm. said that that was a sexy thing to think about. 
He said, that's the way he thought about God. God must be the sexiest thing because everything's burning down and that's how the world ends. Every minute, the world's ending, burning up. That was power. That was sex. You see? Sexy sex. And then he says, fire is sex. Inside is outside. Power is God. God is sexy. Wow. That is a train (laughs) of thought that I do not follow at all. I mean, you saw the, you saw an interview with him. I mean, how he's just like a firefly just buzzing around. Doesn't really know what direction he's going, you know? His mind is fragmented and it's it's crazy. It is nuts seeing this guy talk. Let's talk about what actually happened to George Sonnenberg. Okay. And I'm going to read the dialogue from how it happened. Okay. Okay. So at this point, Sonnenberg is tied up to a chair and he's got a gag in his mouth. And George Sonnenberg, the 64-year-old, he starts smiling. He's got the gag in his mouth this point. Now, this is, we're going back to the before the fire, before Regina jumped out and everything. Okay. So I'm going to read this dialogue. What's so funny, old man? Otis says, his eyes full of rage and fury. Grinning, George just shakes his head and mumbles something. Otis walks over and pulls out the gag, and George says, I said, you should find a different line of work, because you're not good at this one. Even more infuriated now, Otis says, You got an awful smart mouth for an old man tied to a chair. Otis steps closer and now says, Who do you think you're talking to, you old fucker? I think I'm talking to a piece of shit. George looks him directly in the eyes and says, You know, when I was in the military, special forces, I was one of those guys you never saw coming. Real sneaky like a cat. Is that so? Yeah. Me and my buddies, we'd eat guys like you for breakfast. Is that so? Well, what if I just eat you for dinner? Yeah, right. Otis pulls out a can of lighter fluid out of his jacket and says, I smell a barbecue coming on. George, realizing Otis is dead serious, says, wait a minute. I was just kidding you, partner. Really, take anything you want. It's yours. Otis says, how about that car out there? George says, the keys are right over there in in that cabinet. Otis walks over to the cabinet, finds the keys. You know, I'm still pretty hungry, though. Otis then squirts the lighter fluid all over George, and George begins squirming and begging for his life. He says, please, no. I'll do anything you want. It's too late for that, Mr. War Hero. Then he tosses the match at George's feet and it immediately goes up in flames. Back outside, Otis has set the house on fire and is standing back watching it burn with a big smile on his face. And yes, sir, he says to himself, there ain't nothing like a good old-fashioned barbecue. That's from the book. This book. Wow. wow. Also, I love that you make Otis sound like Michael Jackson. <laughs> that's how he sounds, sort of. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. So that's what happened to George Sonnenberg. Let's go back to Regina, who jumped out of the freaking house. She had been in Jacksonville only one week. She had eloped with her boyfriend only only one week before and had to jump off the balcony. That sucks. Eventually, when Otis got arrested, she did recognize him because he was living in the attic and only sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. He would basically sneak up there. Regina remembers watching the crowd as she plummeted from the second story and destroyed her back. She thought about her decision to elope. Now, this is an interview given by the Tim Gilmore. We were very young, Regina tells author Tim Gilmore. Springfield in the early 1980s was a rough place, but we didn't understand how rough it was. David and I wanted to marry, but our families wanted us to wait. So we escaped to the only place we could think of where our families would not find us. So it's interesting to know that Regina did live. She just had a broken back. The doctor said she would never walk again. However, she does walk now just with a lot of pain. Mm. And even today, this interview was taken in 2013 with this 
author, she still thinks about it and she has devoted her life to understanding and helping people like Otis Tool and Henry Lee Lucas, who has come from such a traumatic childhood. She actually, it seems like she for, not only forgave him, but is completely understanding. I feel compassion for the horrific way he and Henry Lucas had been treated their whole lives. I feel compassion for them in, in the, even in the horrific way they chose to respond to the way they've been treated, or maybe to the only way they knew how to respond to how they'd been treated. So since then, 30 years ago, she studied psychology and theology and is now a minister. And she helps people in like Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool kind of, you know, mm. move forward and have a better life, I guess. Yeah. All right. What do you guys think so far? I kind of want to end it there as like the first part. Okay. What do you think? Uh, there is a lot that I had yeah. no idea about for there, him. For there's sure. a, yeah, there's a kind of a lot to digest from that. I really can't tell you why he associates fire with sex until the next episode when we go through his childhood. Mm -hmm. Then you'll kind of really see. But I did throw that one in there, the seven-year-old, where he's lighting matches. Mm -hmm. So we know that he developed a love for for arson pretty early. Mm. But anyway. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Eddie Gein. Mm. Oh, really? Because of low IQ? Well, the IQ, but also I was kind of thinking like the the body snatching, like it was a genuine. I mean, I know we haven't talked about that, but you 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 dropped some hints about things we're going to talk about, about the graveyard stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm seeing maybe a yeah. few. And also like the, the, I'm curious about like the little pink dress and like damaged yeah. merchandise like that's. Well, so just a little teaser for when we talk about the can- he's known as the cannibal kid. And this is from an interview, an actual interview with him. The the man asked him about eating women and men. And he says the women parts were the tiny nipples and the hole where the dick goes in. And then the interviewer says, the vagina? I guess it's like a little bag of muscle, whatever it's called, a sex part, the hole that the woman has. So he doesn't even know what it's called. Yeah. What about the males? Cut off the peter? Cut off the balls? Interviewer asks, you fry it all up? No, it's put in like a little stew pot and there's a secret recipe that I have from about a thousand years ago. The interviewer asks, does it taste good? Not, not bad. The part of the woman around the pussy hole is like lips, sort of chewy and rubbery. The balls are damn good when fried. Use a little batter and a fryer and it's a real treat. Crispy. Like a crispy chestnut. Fresh fried balls is one of my favorites. Oh, so. Oh. <laughs> He's oh. like a Pee Wee Gaskins, too. Yeah. You know you got to read all this interview shit. Maybe Jen and I will take turns. <laughs> oh, I'm like a little queasy just after hearing that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, um, But we're going to go through his first murder when he was only a teenager. 160 murders. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a lot. There's a lot to do here. We're excited for it. Yeah. And that was kind of a teaser because I'm uh, still trying to recover. I know. You're doing great. Yeah. You're sounding a lot better today. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I don't know. We'll see you tomorrow for headlines. You know, that's it. Sounds good. All right. Well, until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. run this shit.